This programming is sponsored by the UH Health Family Care Center, offering primary care and behavioral health services on the University of Houston campus. Health insurance plans including Medicare and Medicaid accepted. New patient appointments and more at 832-UH-CARES. Welcome to Party Politics. I'm Jeronimo Cortina, a political scientist and associate director at the Center for Mexican-American Studies at the University of Houston. And I'm Brandon Roddinghouse, a political science professor from the University of Houston. Um, welcome to a, a kind of a special edition of the podcast, right? Um, we joke internally about the Thursday curse. Every time we record on a Thursday morning, some breaking news happens on Thursday afternoon. Uh, I didn't realize that we we would be in the middle of like a a tremendous shift in how the campaign was operating and big changes in Texas voting. So I just for the second time in history of party politics, we're going to have an update and do a sort of pre off schedule podcast and just hope we can get through it and survive together. Right. Well, I, I don't know, man. I don't know what to say. I mean, You've given up? It's over. Well, no, I haven't given up. It's just uh, like you know. Uh, How many cups of people, coffee did you have today? I want to know. Well, I don't know. I mean, right now, I think in my six espresso or seven. <laughs> I saw uh, you sipping one there. Yeah, I hope it's strong, and I hope you put whiskey in it. It's just espresso, man. <laughs> just espresso is too early to start drinking. Uh, it's but, never too early. It's twenty twenty, right? Yeah, that's true. That's true. This is the the lucha libre match of the American political scene, right? Oh, and I love that. The obviously, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the biggest news this week, Geronimo, um, the biggest news, frankly, of the you know 12-hour sequence since we recorded our first version right. of the podcast is that the president has announced that he and the first lady have tested positive for COVID-19. This is after the uh, one of his key advisors, Hope Hicks, uh, Hick, uh, Hope Hicks, there you go, I need more coffee, has said that she had um, COVID-19. The president and first lady are quarantining. They're in good spirits, it seems, and are experiencing some mild conditions um, related to COVID. So obviously, this is a tremendous change in just the, the campaign, but also in how we understand the virus. So what's going on here? Kind of walk us through some of these big changes. Well, I mean, the first big change is that the campaign, presumably right now, is complete Full stop, right? right? The Stopping Trump the campaign. Trump. The Trump campaign, yes. Yeah. You think Biden will join or do you think he's like, well, you know what? <laughs> I'll see you zip around you without changing gears. Right. No, well, I think that, you know, Democrats here have a, a, a very important uh, way of, of, of uh, I guess, capital, capitalizing on, on this situation because, yeah. you know, uh, uh, President Trump cannot be outside and, and he's very good yeah. at you know, in-person meetings yes, and, and creating the type of uh, political movement and rhetoric that he always does in, in his meetings. So I don't know if, well, obviously he can't. Right. And, and, and that's going to have, uh, you know, very important implications. And the other question is, you know, uh, you know, what's going to happen? I mean, we're 30 something days away from right. from from election day uh, early voting here in Texas starts in 30 in October 13 mm-hmm. so like what happens i mean I, I don't get it yeah there's a lot going on um 
I think that, you know, on the political side of things that that this really refocuses the race on COVID. And this is to the detriment of Donald Trump and the Trump campaign, right? They wanted to be able to change the subject. They want to talk about, you know, riots and, and sort of unrest in urban America to kind of frighten suburban America. They want to try to talk about health care and how they're going to do better on health care. Um, those are all topics, of course, that are hard to maneuver towards and even harder in the middle of a pandemic. And now the full story is about Trump and the White House infestation of COVID. So there's no way they can get away from it now. And I think that, you know, Joe Biden's primary criticism can now be that the Trump administration has not handled it properly. The best evidence we have of that is that the president literally got COVID. So, I mean, hopefully it'll go well. I mean, you know, we wish him the best and that, you know, we need to be able to, you know, get him healthy again, just for the sake of the Republic. But we definitely, of course, see the changing political scope here. And um, I don't know there's any way that now that they can sort of talk their way out of this, I guess, if that makes sense. Well, absolutely. I mean, there's no way. Uh, yeah. uh, if the president can get COVID, even yeah. though that he has been tested regularly, right. I mean, every single day, in theory, all White staff, uh, House, yeah. uh, White House staff members were tested. Uh, Hope Hicks got it. Uh, yeah. Apparently, you know, uh, she's uh, patient zero in, in this saga, <laughs> right. right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, so you, and you then, watch a lot of with, Netflix, right? All those well, yeah, pandemic well, movies are freaking well, out. Mean, <laughs> and then, and then you don't know, right? You yeah. don't know how many, yes. many people have been infected by now, right? Yeah. Because you know the fact that Pres uh, Vice President Pence uh, has not been tested positive right. doesn't mean that he's not going to be tested uh, testing positive right. in a couple of days. And the same goes for Joe Biden, right? right. I mean, they had a debate. Right. Uh, we don't know if they were in close proximity, if mm -hmm. Biden was wearing a mask or not. Yeah. Uh, well, they didn't shake hands at the end of the right. of the debate, so that's you know a good uh, sign that Biden maintained social distancing, but right. we don't know. And we and, don't know. Remember the president, I mean, he's been doing it for months, but in the debate, you know, making fun basically of Joe Biden for wearing a mask and staying away from people. Well, Oops. I mean, I, exactly. I mean, so uh, that's not at all surprising, right? I mean, how do we not see this coming, right? This is how things happen when you're cavalier about how you treat the virus and right. you don't put the response down that you need to do. And we've seen this TV movie before, right? They foreshadowed this just perfectly, right? <laughs> this is right. the third act of a play. We know what's going to happen. He was going to get COVID. Um, but, uh, okay, let me ask you a question, and I don't know if if uh, we're going, <laughs> you know, too much into the future. We're going there, but let's go there. Just let's uh, tip our toes, right. uh, as okay. I say. Okay, so you know, President Trump is seventy three years of age, right? Yes. Uh, Pence is sixty six, mm -hmm. right? We don't know if Pence is positive or not. But what he said, happens, he, he said he was negative. He got a negative test, I mean, so, so far. As of today, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. We don't know if he's going to test uh, positive. <laughs> you right? check Twitter right now and it's like, oh, by the way, he's not, he's positive. Oh, okay, well, there you go. Well, I mean, he <laughs> might, the right? Sure. Because that's how the virus works, right? Yep. Uh, uh, so, you know, if you're negative today, it doesn't mean that you're going to be positive uh, uh, tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And that means, and he has been in close proximity with yes. the president. Yes. And, and, and anyway, so... Supposing, right, uh, what happens to this thing? Like, let's suppose that, you know, uh, the president, uh, uh, I mean, are there any other, I guess, broader implications in terms of Article 2 of right. the Constitution, in terms of the 25th Amendment, yeah. in terms of, of, of all those uh, issues about the constitutionality of the 1947 uh, uh, Secession Act? Uh, what's your take yeah. on that? 
Yeah, so this will go well if he has mild symptoms and there are no problems. If it's the case that the symptoms become more problematic and say like Boris Johnson, um, who was the prime minister of England, was, um, uh, you know, kind of more incapacitated, had to be, you know, put onto a ventilator right. and it becomes a different problem. They can transfer power temporarily to the vice president who they need to keep separate from the president and the White House and everything else that um, is related to um, COVID and potential spread. So that can also be a very you know, calm experience, right? And let me emphasize again, that can be calm, right? It doesn't have to be a frenzy. There's no one claiming power. There's no transition here. It's just a normal process that sometimes if presidents have to have a medical right. procedure as exactly. say, George W. Bush did, Bill Clinton did, um, that we can have a transfer of power temporarily and then put back. Um, if things get much, much worse, then that's a different problem. And the vice president may have to take over more permanently. Um, and if, of course, the vice president is incapacitated, then the speaker of the house will take over. So, so the scenarios can play out a bunch of different ways. I suppose that the one thing to caution is that we should have faith that the White House knows what they're doing and that there are procedures for everything. There are procedures for procedures. So there is no question that there's going to be a continuation of this. And frankly, the good news is we've seen this happen to other leaders, right? Brazil's uh, Jair Bolsonaro and uh, Prime Minister of Russia, uh, Mikhail Mushetin, they both had the virus, frankly, also saying it wasn't a big deal and then of getting it. Happily, they recovered as did Boris Johnson, like I mentioned. So there is a path here for leaders to get the virus and to recover and for things to be more or less fine, right? Right, right. I mean, we have uh, to wait and see uh, in terms of, because every single human being reacts differently to the virus, That's right? true. Um, you know, it's not like there is a clear pattern of how people are going to react. Right. And and that's what, you know, really worries me getting into these, uh, you know, uh, uh, I don't know, have you seen the game uh, Serpientes y Escaleras, right? The, no. the little snakes that go up to the ladders. Uh, oh. uh, what is that game called? Um I don't know. It's a ladders and snakes, shoots and ladders. Yeah, that one. Oh, really? Oh, interesting. So it's different in uh, in in Spanish, in Spanish. Oh, right? Really? I mean, it's just called Serpiente Escalera. It's like the little snake goes up to the ladder, and uh -huh. then it can go down, and then it can go back, and then it. So we're in that situation right now. Right? <laughs> right. It's funny because I literally had that written down, shoots and ladders, like last week. So I, oh, we there a, you we go. Are, we're in a mind meld in, in a way. Exactly. So <laughs> so so it becomes becomes more complicated. And this in the context of a uh, pr potential confirmation of a new right. uh, Supreme Court justice. Yes. You know, the Supreme Court justice is missing one person. And, you know, this thing can evolve in two weeks, right? Right. right. Uh, I don't think that uh, if, if, if the president uh, has more severe, you know, uh, uh, symptoms, right? Yeah. Uh, I don't think that the Senate would confirm uh, uh, Amy Coney Barrett just like question. that, or maybe they do. Right. And then, you know, I mean, just thinking about the unintended consequence right. and all the policy implications and all the politics involved, right? Yeah. It, it just becomes is. mind boggling in terms of what I was trying to do, a diagram. If this happens, then this happens, then this. And then I had to stop because I, I, I didn't have enough paper. Yeah, to, you, you need to take a nap because it's too much. Yeah, so by the way, Amy Comey Barrett, uh, the president's nominee for the Supreme Court, has had COVID. And so she was in proximity to several other senators who have tested positive and the president, of course, too. So the, at least there's one sort of element that hopefully she doesn't get it again. And so that the big question, though, is whether or not there's going to be any kind of influence on the 
court. I don't think there will be. I mean, a lot can happen in a two-week period for COVID. Oh, There's my no friend. question. Oh, my yeah, friend. I mean, it'll happen to in 12 any, hours. Like, <laughs> right. Any assumption that you're making right now is going to prove wrong <laughs> right. like in 32 minutes. So <laughs> right. my I'll recommendation like, is like, you know, give yourself an exit. <laughs> <laughs> right. We'll throw a lot of maybes in there. and Exactly. Sort of, right? exactly. This, this, think, is the, this is a natural for academics, right? Well, in the debates too, that's another big question, right? How are they going to work that? So obviously the president can't be in person. So it's likelihood that the next town hall debate, which is the one that's coming up the week after the vice presidential debate, is probably going to be canceled. Hard to do that on Zoom, but perhaps they can have the other head-to-head one on Zoom. So we'll see how that works out. But um, there's a lot of kind of churn. And, and frankly, the president testing positive for COVID is not the only issue of the week. In fact, his wife uh, also tests positive, like we mentioned, but she also had kind of a, a rough going so that one of her friends, one of her, I guess, I'm going to say former friends, recorded her <laughs> for uh, purposes of trying to write a book later. So these audio recordings basically are discussions between um, this woman and the first lady um, and reveal a lot of things, including frustrations that the first lady had over her White House tasks. There's a lot here. Um, the thing that most people have picked up on is that uh, the first lady basically was unhappy about having to, number one, kind of be complicit with her, her husband's political stands on things, especially on immigration, and that uh, she was unhappy about having to work hard to put together all of the Christmas stuff, right? She says here, I'm working my A off with the Christmas stuff that, you know, who gives an F about Christmas stuff and decorations, but I need to do it right. And then the person responds, yes, you have to do it, which is an obligation the first lady typically has. So an interesting kind of dynamic, um, which got a little bit lost in the whole, you know, shake of the week, but um, could have a, an influence on voters who maybe don't see the first family as being a kind of traditional first family. Um, nope. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Game yeah, over. No, I mean, it's it's one of those things, right? First of all, it's, you know, uh, this situation is, you know, that's, uh, you know, uh, uh, an audio recording. So right. there's like no scape. We have seen before audio yeah. recordings having no effect whatsoever. Well, the White House said, well, maybe it was doctored. Well, maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> and the woman was writing this book called Melania and Me for purposes of obviously trying to make some money. So more scandals, the better. Um, but right. yeah, you're right. I mean, not, hard to get away from it being like, you know, literally your voice on tape. Right, but I mean, it's it's. Uh, but in the context of all things, right? Yeah, uh, it's not a good timing for the White House <laughs> to be dealing with this thing. Now they have COVID on the White House, in the White House, so it creates more problems than solutions. And also, you know, uh, you know, saying that about uh, uh, Christmas, and also, you know, yeah. there was this stance in terms of you know, children being uh, put in, in, in cages, right? Yeah, and that yeah. was also part of the of the conversation. And she says, well, but, you know, uh, it's it's a different situation. And, and and when you look at it in the in the big context of things, uh, simply not good. Yeah, it's not great. And I mean, I don't know that the president's evangelical supporters will, you know, leave his side. But I imagine there are a lot of people who look at this as maybe just the final straw. But I'm sure there's going to be another final straw and another final straw. So like you say, 2020 keeps on giving and partisanship's hard to shake. So I think we're going to see more of this, but um, it's pretty early for an October surprise, don't you think? We're like a day into October, and all of a sudden, uh, the political world seems to have changed. But another big news this week, actually, was that uh, President former National Security Advisor H.R. McMaster came out, basically, and said that he thought that President Trump was aiding and abetting 
Vladimir Putin's efforts to uh, to basically st- have a sustained campaign of disruption, disinformation, and denial uh, during the 2016 and now 2020 election. Do you think this is going to make a difference? No. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, well, why? I mean, I mean, I, I like. You know, McMaster is you know he was a Trump ally as usual, right. uh, and 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 was <laughs> was right, um, and you know it's it's the way that he said in uh, and you said it, he's aiding and abetting uh, Putin efforts by not being direct about right. these right? right. So absolutely, uh, the president has not had or, or is not very direct about a bunch of stuff. He's not direct about condemning uh, white nationals. He's not direct about, you know, addressing the, the Russia issue. So he opens the door for people to think about, well, if he's not being direct, then there's something to be, uh, 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 something to hide right. in those in those remarks. And and once again, I mean, given that, you know, we saw Bolton's, uh, <laughs> you yeah. know, book, uh, uh, right. we have seen uh, his former personal... Um, uh, uh, lawyer uh, also given, you know, immense in, in revelations that, you know, uh, previous 2016 would have terminated anyone's political career. Right. And here we are right. talking about another one. I this mean, would have brought down any other president, and yet, yeah, you know, uh, here he right. is. <laughs> and it's, it's, is this straw going to break the, the camel's back? Right. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Hard to know. Um, but you're right. I mean, there have been a lot of former White House officials who have basically denounced the president for any number of reasons, right? James Mattis, former defense secretary, former Navy secretary, Richard Spencer. You mentioned Bolton, former chief of staff, John Kelly. By the way, the mooch, Anthony Scaramucci, a former White House oh, communications yeah. director for about a <laughs> cup of coffee. I mean, the list could go on and on, right? So right. it's just, I mean, there are a lot of people who are abandoning the president. I mean, this is symptomatic of how Republicans are sort of leaving the Republican coalition, uh, especially because of Trump. And uh, this is going to affect down-ballot Republicans in a very significant way. And I think that a lot well, of true. states that were maybe not in play might be in play. So you might see the but Democrats take that, back the Senate. I, I absolutely mean, you do. you think that that scandal is going to trump uh, uh, no pun intended, partisanship? Right. Not not this one, but all of them, right? Plus COVID, plus healthcare, mm. plus gun control. I mean, there are a lot of Republicans who just, you know, for a lot of reasons are supporting the Republican Party, but for all kinds of reasons, either see Trump deviating from that or don't like Trump personally. You're talking about races in Iowa. You're talking about races in Maine, uh, North Carolina, Colorado. The Republicans could easily lose five to six of those Senate seats and potentially even Texas, right? We'll throw it on the Barbie because like this is an opportunity for Democrats to capitalize on one of the most unpopular figures in the Republican Party for a very long time. So this one thing, no, but you know, you start to add it up and all of a sudden it looks pretty bad. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe you're, I mean, yeah, I mean, the other possibility is that these folks are going to have, you know, these public support, but then in the ballot box are going to say like, hell no, I'm right. going to do it. Right, and, and or people are not responding faithfully to, you know, are you going to support the president or not, right. right? We've seen a little bit of that hiding in the polling, and so I don't ex- you know, expect that that's going to be a huge number, but enough that, you know, in these close races, it could be the difference. So 2020 <laughs> keeps on giving. It also keeps taking. So uh, we know this week, too, the same day, literally more news broke that Fox News paid the former assistant to ex-host Kimberly Guilfoy, who is the well, one of the Don Jr.'s girlfriend, um, upwards of $4 million to avoid going to trial after that employee wrote a draft 
in 2018 to complaining that the uh, Miss Guilfoyle had sexually harassed her. The allegations are, are um, nasty, um, doing things like subjecting her to degrading, abusive, sexually inappropriate behavior, showing her photographs of um, things that I won't mention. But there's a lot of um, nastiness here, right? So again, another Trump official kind of in hot water. Right. Um. (laughs) And by the way, one thing we didn't mention this week either was that the president's um, former campaign advisor, right, Brad Parscale, had a serious run with the law. He was uh, threatening suicide. He had apparently abused his wife, at least allegedly, given what the police report says. So that, too, is another one of those examples of just the Trump White House and the Trump campaign team sort of off the rails, right? Complete disarray. Yeah. Uh, Complete disarray and... Obviously, as you say, these little things are going to have impacts. And and it's not that, you know, may change or might change people's perceptions or yeah. supports towards the president or not. Yeah. But it's an issue about, you know, having to be distracted, yeah. right, yeah. about these things. You're fighting Plus, too many fronts. and Exactly. Too many fronts. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have the, you know, both flanks and as the president said, from behind and the top and above and everything. <laughs> right. So you're well, being but, attacked. But isn't Trump in the Re- World Wrestling Hall of Fame? He should be used to the kind of chair across the, the back of the head, right? <laughs> be ready for that, right? Right. Or, or, you know, as you say, the lucha libre, right? Lucha that, libre, yeah, exactly. Goes to the third uh, whatever thingy and then just jumps right. and, you know, smashes exactly. down with the, with the elbow or elbow kick. I don't you know. Gotta how do. Well, called, you got to have your signature move, right? You've got to yeah, have exactly. the right one. <laughs> exactly. Well, let's move to Texas. Speaking of uh, full contact politics, um, some interesting fundraising news, actually, literally in the days that... Um, followed our version, original version of the podcast here. Um, let's talk with uh, first with CD7. This is the district in West Houston. Lizzie Fletcher, a Democrat, represents that. Uh, Challenger Republican Wesley Hunt announced that he had raised $2.5 million. That's a lot of money, right? Hmm. And this actually comes on the heels of something we did talk about a couple of weeks ago, which was that right. the Republican committee, uh, campaign, campaign committee left town. They took their $2 million and went to San Antonio. So as I said at that point, it was a mistake for them to leave. And I think it's probably now even more of a mistake so, I mean, you know, he's in, in fighting position here, but it's still going to be an uphill battle given that, you know, he's not getting the kind of flyover support he needs. Right. Well, that's extremely important, right? Because, I mean, just the mere gesture of the RNC saying, well, yeah. pulling out the money means, mm-hmm. you know, we don't believe you can win this race. Yeah. Uh, we have, you know, the presidential coattails, uh, at least in City 7, does not necessarily apply <laughs> readily. <laughs> right. Sorry. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a district that could, bow, uh, could go both ways. But I think that in this case, uh, the incumbent Lizzie Fletcher has uh, a more significant advantage, and she also has a lot of money too. Yeah, good money. Yeah. So you know, it's uh, is it enough? I think it's the question. Is it enough without having the backup, the support from the RNC? Yeah. Here's another uh, critical race for Democrats, and that's in Congressional District 10. It spans from Austin to Houston. It's Michael McCall's district. Um, Mike Siegel, the Democratic challenger who's running again after running in 2018, announced he'd raised a million dollars, a pretty healthy sum for a race that I think for a lot of people is kind of a long shot, but is possible given the dynamics and, you know, given that, the, as we said earlier, President Trump is not very popular in some of this, um, some of these, um, these areas, especially suburban areas. Well, absolutely. And, and I think that's going to be the key question, right? I think yeah. that 
the, the, the real issue here is that, yes, it goes from us into the parts of, uh, of, of, of Houston and whatnot, but the interesting part is, you know, what areas of Houston is covering, right? right. So I think that's uh, what it's uh, interesting to me uh, to see, because if you look at that, you know, a, a, a big chunk of that district is within, uh, you know, uh, uh, Harris County right. uh, area, and that part obviously has become a little bit more, uh, uh, I guess, uh, you know, mm-hmm. towards Democrat. Also, you cover a little bit more uh, down, you know, uh, south. Uh, obviously, Austin, right. extremely important, uh, and, in, and in Travis County, and also uh, becoming more and more and more mm-hmm. and more uh, leaning towards the mm-hmm. Democrats. That whole area of of kind of east. Austin and Elgin and those areas, the mm-hmm. explosion of new housing is tremendous. And all of those folks are younger. They're more ethnically and racially diverse. That's really the story of the suburbs. So that's going to be a, a big change and potentially district Democrats pick up. But I have my doubts, um, but we'll see. That money means that they're going to be competitive. Although McCall, of course, super rich, so I don't think it'll matter in terms of money. But it definitely could be competitive. Um, let's talk about another big story that came up the last couple of literally hours, and that is that Greg Abbott has issued a proclamation to limit counties to one location for mail-in ballot drop-offs. For big counties like Harris County, it was gone from what it had 12, I think, or 11, and yeah. reduced it to one. Um, this is basically like, you know, uh, Texas game day having, you know, one bathroom. <laughs> the uh, <laughs> consolidation towards this one place is going to put a lot of pressure on those individuals there. Uh, for a county that's almost 5 million people that's bigger than 26 states, that's a real problem. But there are other, of course, big counties that are also in the position where they have to consolidate. So what's happening here and why does the governor change his mind on this? Uh, well, I think that, you know, the reaction to the governor is he has been sued uh, by, yes. you know, more conservative Republicans in order for him uh, when he expanded early voting by one week. So I think this is a, a natural uh, reaction to that and appeasing the, you know, uh, his yeah. base and say, look, fine, I did this, but then, you know, let me give you that instead, right? Right. Uh, that's, you know, the way that I'm reading it from a political perspective. Also, right. you know, he is basically aligning uh, right. to a certain extent with the national rhetoric of President Trump, right? Yeah. Uh, 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 trying to, I guess, put more... Uh, limits to this issue of mailing ballots, right? right. And, and it's basically curtailing people's ability to participate in democracy, to participate and exercising their right yep. to vote yep. and make it more complicated. Certainly qual- older voters, that's true, right? Who are going to drop off those ballots, right? And exactly. now have to go someplace else to do it. Um, that's a real problem. Yeah. And I think this the last minute confusion is also a problem, right? A lot of the information is already out there. People know or think they know where to drop off ballots and they're going to go try to do it thinking that's still in existence and it's not. So all these last minute changes are really complicating the ability to get people to go out and vote. And especially, right, since, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Judge Marmolejo uh, uh, this week also said that, well, uh, the straight ticket voting right. uh, was, you know, going forward. Yeah. Then Republicans uh, said no. They put it on the Fifth Circuit and the Fifth Circuit said, yeah, I agree with you because changes to the electoral <laughs> procedures are so close to the election are not cool, right? <laughs> but now we have right. the governor doing the same exact thing, going against the logic of right. the same Republican Party, right? Saying that, oh, yeah. maybe that one is not cool, but making changes 
like the ones that I like. It's cool. So I want to make the cake, divide the cake, eat the cake, et cetera, et cetera. Right, exactly, yeah. Yeah, and the president, and the governor here has been really pressured by both sides, right? But especially the Republican side saying, you know, we need to clamp this down. And the same thing happened for the COVID restrictions, right? So the governor's really showed an inability, I think, to be kind of pick a direction and go there without having it deviated from for political reasons. So that's going to be, I think, something that the legislature will consider in terms of curtailing his power. And you might see Democrats join Republicans to try to limit the governor's power. But I think also given how close a lot of these down ballot races are going to be, you're talking about a few hundred votes and if you know precincts across these big counties and that could really be the difference so it could be potentially consequential well to end on a fun note at least um we actually got in addition to all the other news um uh, a little treat and that is that there's going to be a new borat movie were you a borat fan when the movie came out yeah in in the i think 23 of october we're gonna have it live and and I mean, I love it. The, 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 that movie so funny and, and, and taking advantage of all, you know, our unsuspected right. politicians, including our very own Agriculture Commissioner, Sid Miller. And, right? um, he apparently, I'm not even going to spoil it for you, because if you haven't seen it, I want you to go and take it pure because it's so amazing how he fooled Sid Miller, who, uh, you know, to his credit, afterwards said, this is great. We can laugh at each other. But I thought immediately... They're not laughing with you. They're laughing at you. So, yeah, <laughs> Commissioner Miller, um, think it through next time, right? Do a bit of vetting and make sure it's not Borat you're talking to. Absolutely. And just Google it and, and have <laughs> a good it. weekend, I, I suppose. <laughs> so uh, that's it for this week, Brandon, uh, unless something else comes up in the next uh, two minutes. Uh, party politics. Don't check Twitter. Right. <laughs> Party Politics is recording the George B. Geary Performance Studio at Houston Public Media most of the times. Big thanks to our producer, Troy Schultz. Special kudos to our web and graphics team here at Houston Public Media. And big thanks to our audio engineer who works overtime on this, Todd Holslander. I'm Jeronimo Cortina. And I'm Brandon Roddinghouse. We'll see you next week. Hey.